Um, welcome to everyone. Second Sunday of the year. Welcome to everyone who's joining us on the podcast as well. Um, super encouraging when I hear that someone's actually listening to the podcast. Um, feel free to email us any feedback that you have at welcome at thechapelsydney.org.au. Um, in 2020, our, our motto this year is Vision 2020 to see God clearer. To see God clearer. This year, we want to focus on all that we do, whether it be here on Sundays at church or in life groups or serving in the community. Everything that we do, we want to do it so that we can see God clearer. Why? Why is it important for us to see God as clear as possible? Last week we, we answered and we said that only when we see God clearer can we see ourselves clearly. And only when we see God clearer can we see the world clearly. Because God is the creator and sustainer of all things. Only when we know the creator do we get to understand the heart and desires of his purpose and understand his mission for our lives. But it only happens when we see God clearly. What we see is so important because it affects the way we perceive. Meaning, not just the way we see the situation, but the way we understand the situation. And perception, perception is important because the way we perceive things will lead us into the way we act upon those things. So let me give you an example of this. This here is a chair. It's not a trick question. It's not, it's not rhetorical either. This is a chair. Now, when you first walk through the room uh, into the hall, uh, you would have seen from the back of the hall, you would have seen this chair, and it would have been a small chair. Right? You just would have looked, and it would have looked small on the stage. And you probably didn't think much to yourself. But obviously, as you walk closer and closer to the chair, you recognize that the chair is actually not that small. It's not a kid-sized chair, but it's an actual chair. Your perception of it changes. Back when you're outside, you look at it and you go, oh, it's a small chair. It must be very light. I can move that chair easy with, you know, two fingers. But as you realize, get closer and closer, you realize, oh, no, actually, it's a pretty solid-looking solid chair, and it's not actually small, and actually, it might take whole two arms to lift the chair. See, our, our seeing influences our perception, and our perception influences our action. See, another example of this is when we spend money. Say you wanted to buy this chair, and on it, it's got the price tag of $100. Now, here's a question. Do you think that's a fair price for this chair? Do you think it's too cheap? Do you think it's average? Do you think it's expensive? Well, that depends on the context of this chair. If You might go, wow, $100 just for a chair? Like one chair, $100? That's so expensive. But then if you were to walk around the room and you look at all these other chairs, and all the other chairs have the price tag of $500, 
suddenly the $100 chair is not expensive. It's actually cheap. It's all about it's all about context. But say you walked around the room and you saw every other chair was only ten dollars, then you go, well, a hundred dollar chairs pretty expensive. Only when we understand who God is, our perception, which begins from seeing, will our actions towards Him change. If we see God through Scripture as a loving God, our perception towards Him will be like a a loving Father. And if we really believe that, not just the way we see God, but the way we perceive God, then our action, our response will be, we will run to Him. But if you see God as an angry God, and if you perceive God as an angry God, then our action will be not to run towards Him, but most likely to run away from Him. That's why seeing and believe, uh, seeing and perception is so important. This is why we need to see God clearer, because it will ultimately influence the way you act and respond toward God. Tonight, we want to see God clearer by looking at his size and power and his understanding. Keep saying it. It's because when we see him properly, it will change our perception of him. And when our perception has been transformed, then our actions will change as well. Um, In the 1990s, some of you weren't even born, or some of you were born then. Joan Osborne wrote a song called One of Us. And the lyrics of the song say, the chorus says, What if God was one of us? What if God was one of us? Anyway. Just a slob like one of us. Just a stranger on a bus trying to make his way home. It's a very catchy song. Um, so many things theologically wrong with that, that, that chorus, but, but, but it gave me, it gives us an, an idea and an insight to how people actually can think about God and how, how far removed they are from the truth of who God is. See, that's the problem. If, if people literally think that God is like one of us, a slob like one of us. The way we go to God, the way we respond to God is going to be very different. But the Bible gives us the true version of who God is. God is described in the Bible in many ways, but but one of the words that continues to be used to describe God is the word great or the word greatness. The definition of the word great is this, notably large in size, relative largeness, remarkable in magnitude, degree, or effectiveness, distinguished. All these words used to define the word great. And what I want to do is I want to show you tonight how great, how big our God is based on Scripture. There are four attributes that I want to um, introduced to you through the Bible that give us a taste of God's greatness. The first one is this. God is the great 
creator. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, if you've been coming to church for a long time, you, you know this verse. If one of your New Year's resolutions was, I'm going to read the Bible from start to finish, you would have read this first, Gen- you know, January 1. I hope that's still going well for you. Now, we've heard this passage so many times in our lives that actually when we hear it and when we read it, we've actually become quite numb to it. We don't actually think about what this verse actually means. So I want to just pause for a, for a real quick moment and just, just focus on what this verse says. Everything in earth, everything on earth, was thought up of and created by God. Now, it's really hard for us to understand this, and, and we'll talk about one of these um, attributes later. But, you know, for those that are creative, right, for those that cook, right, some people are just generally more creative than others. Right? Cooking is one of those things where creativity is very important. Right? They literally take a whole bunch of raw materials and they put it all to there and they chop it up and they grind it and they mince it and do whatever they do in the kitchen. And they create a delicious meal. Amazing. Right? For those that are gardeners, right, that grow plants, to take a seed to put that seed in soil, to nurture that seed, and from that one seed, a plant, and from that plant comes fruit that we can eat or that we can actually then use that to sow seeds. That's creation. Right now, if you're not a cook or, or you're not a, a gardener, maybe you're a parent creating Easter hats for your kids. It's the worst. It's so brutal. Parents have to do this. They have to create things for their kids from scratch, brand new. See, what we need to understand is that when we go, God created the heavens and the earth, it's not that there was an earth and there, there were things in it and God sort of just put it all together. He actually created it from scratch. Now, once again, this is hard for us to imagine especially the non-creative people, right? But we need to take a moment to just pause and go, wait a minute. So you're saying that everything on earth was created by God. And I'm saying yes. He created us and everything around us. And that attribute is to his greatness. Psalm 145 Verse 3, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. That word unsearchable cannot be found. You know, when you're in your database and you type in some words, it cannot be found. God's greatness cannot be found on earth by God, meaning that there is no equivalent to God's greatness. There is no structure. There is no policy. There is no process that comes even close to what God did in his creation. 
Jeremiah 23, 23 to 24. Am I a God at hand, declares the Lord, and not a God far away? Can a man hide himself in secret places so that I cannot see him, declares the Lord? Do I not feel heaven and earth? Do I not feel heaven and earth, declares the Lord? I love that. People thinking that they can run somewhere on earth and hide from God. It's like when your kids play hide and seek with you in the house. And, and, and it doesn't matter where they try to hide. They cannot really hide unless they jump the fence and go to the neighbor. And that really freaks out parents later. But, you know, that's, your kids got problems if that happens. There is nowhere on earth that God does not know. Because God is so great, he fills that space. There is nowhere in this planet that God isn't already there. God is the great creator. Secondly, God is greater than time. God is greater than time. Psalm 90 verse 2, Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you, uh, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. One of the greatest differences between God and creation is that creation is limited by time. We're limited by our five senses. We're limited by our space. We are limited by the 24 hours that we have in the one day. And then one day the body will say, this is it, I'm done. And we'll breathe its last breath and then we will die. I looked up on Google, the oldest human is 100 and, something like 116 years old. 116 years old. It's a long time, right? 116 years old. But when we compare it to the existence of God, really, what, what is 100 years compared to eternity? See, this word eternity is a really hard word for us to understand because we're finite. We're, we're, we're just humans, right? Eternity. Eternity just means never-ending. So I know like a lot of, a lot of preachers use, they, they, they get a, a piece of rope and they, and they sort of put it out and go, well, if this was eternity, how big, you know, how, how long would your lifespan be? And it'd be like a, a, you know, a speck or, you know, a piece of dust. And, but you know what? Even that doesn't do eternity justice. You know, like we, we might, you know, who knows? We might get to 116 years. And, and, and everyone, else, everyone else on earth would be like, wow, that's really, really long. That's a really long life. And yet you're like, wait a minute, God is everlasting to everlasting. See, this is how great God is. He actually is greater than the time that we exist in. God is not bound to the same limitations that man has, but he is limitless. See, this is how we need to start seeing God clearer. Because you start understanding these things about God, your perception of God will start to change and your action will then change after. God is greater than time. Number three, God has great understanding. Isaiah 55, 8 to 9, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. God just says, look, doesn't matter if you're the smartest guy on earth. My thoughts are higher. 
See, once again, we go back to this idea of the limitation. We are limited. We are limited in our understanding. We are limited in our thought process. You know, sometimes we, we like to compare each other. We like to compare, like, you know, we, you know, some of us, we hit our academic um, prime, if, if, if there's such a thing. Some of us hit our academic prime, you know, in our 30s. Some of us hit our academic prime in our 20s in university. Some of us hit our academic prime in our teens in high school. And for some of us, some special people, you hit your academic prime in primary school. <laughs> and that's as good as it got for you guys. Even in ourselves, our understanding is limited. I remember when my wife and I and our kids, we traveled to China. And, and they, they just speak Chinese, which sounds very obvious. But when you're there, you're like, whoa, this is a different universe. China's amazing. Most other countries, they've got their native language sign, and then they've got it something in English, you know, Romanized or whatever. China, they don't care. They, they literally don't care. They, they ask you something, and you go, sorry, I don't speak Chinese, and they just say it louder. Right? And they just expect you to suddenly receive the gift of, of interpretation that you may hear Chinese. You know, like, it, it, like what we could do in China was so limited because of our understanding. And that's just not like language. That, that's culture. That's behavior. You know, your life experience and my life experience are completely different. And our understanding has limitations. Anyone who's not had a baby right? There are certain things that you will not understand compared to those that have a baby. See, our, our understanding compared to each other is limited. But what God's saying is this, collectively, collectively, everything that you understand, my thoughts are higher. The way that I see things, and the way that I see, perceive things, and the way that I think about it is just higher. And there are certain things, and I think this is the humility that we need to understand. When we approach God, is that because God's ways are higher and because His thoughts are higher, we will never... And we had this, uh, we had this conversation about um, in our multimedia team. Is it the question of seeing God clearly or seeing God clearer? And the, and the theological answer was that on this side of earth, we will never be able to see God crystal clearly because we are limited, because we are human. But when we see God face to face, then we will see him clearly. All we can go for right now is to try to see him clearer. Just a little bit more, just a little bit more. Isaiah 40, 28. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow, uh, he will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. No one can fathom, meaning no one can understand. His understanding no one can understand. 
You know, it's like if, if, if an engineer in our church came and tried to explain to me how the structure of this building, you know, is there and that's how it's there. No, I have no idea what you're talking about. Or, you know, you know, Ashton comes and starts to explain to me how culture in, you know, in his homeland operated. Like, I just wouldn't understand that. See, we're just limited. And as humans, we will be limited compared to our God. And we need to have the humility to say, you know what? There are certain things I don't understand about God, but that's okay. Because his thoughts and ways are higher. And fourthly, God has great power. Psalm 147, 4-5, he determines the number of the stars. He gives to all of them their names. Great is our Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. Jeremiah 32, 17, ah, Lord God, it is you who made the heavens and the earth by your great power and your outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. Some key phrases in those, in, in those verses, abundant in power. Not just power, but abundant in power. Meaning having large quantities of power. His understanding is beyond measure. You cannot measure, there is no measurement that can measure the understanding of God. Nothing is too hard for you. I love that. Nothing is too hard for you. See, in our lives, something is always too hard for us. For me personally, so many things are too hard for me. Dieting, it's too hard. Cooking, ironic, right? I can't cook, (laughs) but I also can't diet. It's like I can't do anything in the middle. You know, I, I can't draw. Like, I do, like, stick men. You know, we, we have artists in our community. What they do on paper and canvas, it blows my mind. How do you take a piece of paper and a pencil and draw that? I don't understand. You know, what some of you do with your finances. I... I I don't understand. I have the same $100 in my pocket and you have the same $100 in your pocket and in five years' time, I still have the same $100 and you have $5,000. I don't understand. But we all are limited because we all have something that we can't do, at least one thing, right? But what God is saying is this. Actually, there's nothing too hard. From God's perspective, there's nothing that is too hard for him. The more you read the Bible, the larger our picture of who God becomes. God is big. He is bigger than what we see him to be, what we perceive him to be. He is greater. And this is really important because as we understand this, firstly, it changes the way we perceive ourselves we are part of God's creation not the other way around man did not create God contrary to what many philosophers would say 
Many philosophers will say, no, 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 man created God and man created religion to, you know, fulfill some kind of whole in man's existence. But, but that's not the truth. God is not a creation of the almighty man. But man is the creation of an almighty God. The problem in the world we live in is that we make God a lot smaller than who he really is. And we make ourselves a lot larger than who we really are. I'm talking about our problems, our desires, what we want, the way we want to do it. We really believe. And some of you are even right now, this is just where you're at. You really believe that you're the center of your life. You're the reason why things happen or don't happen in your life. But Scripture tells us, the Bible tells us that it's about who God is. And when we see the true version of God, and we really understand who God really is, there is no way, there is no way in this story that God cannot be anything else except the main character. There is no way. Uh, back when I was growing up in church, when you go off to camp, they always make you do a, a play, like a church drama. And uh, when, you're, when you're younger years, what do they make you do? You, you be a tree, or be a rock, or be a, be a sheep, you know? And, and let me tell you, when I was young, I was a really good tree. I was really good. I stood still, and they said, sway a little bit, so I'd sway a little bit. But I was just a piece of the furniture in the back. You know, the main characters are the ones that actually talk. The ones that actually things happen, the, they change, you know, things change in the front of the stage. They're allowed to move around. I was literally 10 minutes standing in the back being a tree. How foolish it would be for me to think, yeah, everyone's looking at me. I'm the main character. I'm going to be the best tree possible because this, this whole play is about me. That is how silly it sounds. When humanity, in the presence of creator God, says, hey, this life is about me. It's about what I want. It's about my desire. No, it's not. Remember, you are creation, not creator. God is the creator. See, the problems that we go through, they're real. I'm not belittling anything that you're going through in your life right now. They can be hard. The questions that we ask can be tough. But in the context of our great God, there are, they, they are not things that cannot be dealt by God. They are not things that are too hard for God to deal with. Some, so many times we don't trust God with our lives because of this very reason. Because we've shrunk God. The way we see God is too small. And so why would you give your life to someone that is small? That's the problem. We, we shrink God and we make ourselves look big. So who's going to be the savior of our lives? It's us. 
I'm big enough. I can answer this. I can deal with this. But it's wrong. When we see it properly, when we see it properly, the way that Scripture shows us, when the Bible, what the Bible shows us, when we see it clearly, when God is God and we are not God, then it changes the way we respond to God. It changes our attitudes towards God. Suddenly, we don't believe in a puny God that is worthless or, or powerless. We don't believe in a God that is insecure, that does things for the sake of our applause. We don't believe in a God that is so withdrawn, like some of the authority figures in our lives, that he just doesn't care. No, God is greater than all these things. He's bigger than all of these things. Let me say it in a different way. The way you treat God, the way you relate to God, the way you speak to God is an ultimate reflection of the way you see God. You don't pray? Well, it's most likely because you don't believe that God cares enough to hear your prayers or that God is too small to answer your prayers. So why pray? You don't read Bible? It's probably because you don't believe that God is personable and that he wants to speak to you today. You don't, that he wants to be involved in your life, that, that his words are wise and that his ways are higher than ours. It's because you don't believe that. You don't give? It's probably because you don't believe that God is generous and that God loves you enough that he will take care of you financially. Seeing God clearer changes your perspective of God, which changes your response to him. Your life changes because it's been enlightened. One of the most amazing things as we understand this context of God being God and us being us is that even though God is so big and that we are so small, it's crazy to think that not only did God just create man, like he created the animals and he created the universe, but actually he wants to be involved in our existence. Now, this should blow our minds if we really understand the context and the gap of who God is and who we are. You know, this isn't just, you know, God like little G-O-Deeds. It should blow our minds that the God who created the heavens and the earth should want to hang out with us, who actually cares about each and every one of us. It should blow our minds. And yet in our arrogance and our pride, we belittle God, we puffed ourselves out, fooling ourselves to believe that we can be like God, which led to us rejecting God altogether. We don't need him. Why do we need a God if we can be God? But even then, God sent his son, Jesus, to die on the cross for the forgiveness of our arrogance and our sin because he really wanted to still be a part of our lives. This should blow our minds. It doesn't make sense how this amazing, crazy, huge, magnificent God would love us so much that even though when we walked away from him, he continued to pursue each and every one of us. 
It's like if Mark Zuckerberg wanted to be Facebook friends with you. If you woke up tomorrow morning, Mark Zuckerberg would like to be your friend. Ad, decline. You'd be like, firstly, you'd go, this is a scam. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like if, if Steve Jobs wanted your opinion on the first iPhone. It'd be weird. It, it'd be crazy. If Cristiano Ronaldo wanted me to play soccer with him. If I said to you, right, I kid you not. If I said to you, hey guys, so this week Cristiano Ronaldo gave me a call and he said he wants to train with me. Number one, all of you would call me a liar. You'd, you'd go, oh, you're, he's, a, he's the scammer. You know, he's, none of you would believe me. And don't worry, I wouldn't believe it either. Because why would Cristiano Ronaldo, one of the best soccer players in the world, want to play soccer with me who's got two left feet? I play goalkeeper. And there's a very good reason why I play goalkeeper. I'm allergic to running. See, all of that, we go, yeah, that's so crazy. You know, like, even if, like, the Prime Minister of Australia walked through these doors and wanted to have a conversation about your thoughts on climate change, you'd, you'd be like, oh, hello, Mr. Morrison. Oh, sorry, yes, hello. You know, we, it would change. And yet, and yet when we go, God of heaven and earth, wants to hang out with you. For a lot of us, we, nah, doesn't mean anything. And it's because our view of God is blurry and it's not as clear as it should be. If we truly see God for who he is, we can then see ourselves for who we are. This is called self-awareness. See, there's this, this term self-awareness, to be self-aware, to know yourself, which is a philosophical idea that's been around for many, many, many centuries. But can I tell you the first step of self-awareness? The first step of self-awareness is actually to be aware of God. You cannot know yourself really like you cannot wholly, truly know yourself until you understand the context of where you sit where God is. To know yourself, you've got to know yourself in context to God. We're broken and flawed people at best. There are so many gaps in our lives we can't even keep up. But knowing who God truly is, knowing who God truly is should give us comfort and peace in our lives Knowing that the great creator of the universe sent his son Jesus to forgive us of our sins and invite us back into him, it should give us comfort. It should blow your mind, really. But it should give you comfort knowing that all the troubles that you're going through in your life, all the troubles that you'll go through in the future of your life is known by God and is not too hard for him to handle. It should, be, it should bring us peace knowing that when we are weak, that he is strong. And not just strong, but knowing that he actually will fight for us. Seeing God for who he truly is. And not only will you understand who you truly are, but it will give you a peace that the world cannot give. It will give you a peace that the world 
cannot understand. It will give you something that is out of this world. But you've got to see God clearer. You've got to see him clearer. I pray this year as we continue to seek God more, as we draw closer to God, that we would see God clearer. And as we see God clearer, we'd be able to see ourselves clearer. We'd be able to see the life that we live clearer and that we would be able to respond in our lives towards God in the most proper way, and that's to worship him. God, the real God, is big. Let's pray.